Hello friends, welcome to the night after the Tuesday evening, sorry the morning after Tuesday evening before, messed that up for a start. Ipswich Town stir-fried the shrimps last night, they mauled Morecambe 4-0, it was the perfect response to that loss in the fog at Oxford United on Saturday and we're here to talk all about it. I'm Mark Heath, I'm your host, with me the two best kings, the kings among kings, Stuart Watson and Andy Warren. On this pod we like to call Kings of Anglia, sponsored by Ginger Pickle and Manscaped. We'll get to that a bit more later on. But friends, without further ado, let me inquire as to your doings, how you're feeling, Stuart Watson, our very own answer to Jason Statham. How the bloody hell are you? I'm okay, thanks, mate. You all right? I'm all right. Yeah. Good. I'm uh, I'm on my third coffee of the morning Ooh. slash afternoon, so that explains my uh, my slight excitement. That, you, cup, you... that cup looked absolutely massive. Have you? Have you up? Just, have you it's up, just up, close, mate. Oh, have, <laughs> no, you like you're away, like, like a German kind of beer tankard <laughs> yeah, of, co- I have of coffee. Two, two pints of coffee, mate. That's, what, that's the that's the key to my hyperbole and general uh, mood. Anyway, Hutchie, um, you're much calmer than I. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Um, I like shrimps mm. in general. Just taste they're tasty. I used However, frying you... the shrimps as, as a headline last night. I had a little little smile to myself as I did that and felt rather smug. Um, someone else who felt smug, of course, last night was the entire Ipswich Town team. We'll get to that right now. But first of all, Hutchie, I owe you £4 million. That's the elephant in the room right here, isn't it? Yeah. You, owe, you owe me £4 million. And until you pay up, um, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a slight issue between us. Uh, I mean, I dreamt it. I dreamt Ladapo would score. Uh, you then piled on and I gave you probably quite reckless odds of seven to one um and you you made your hay while the sun was shining yeah uh within a minute of the yeah. game start of, within a game starting you you owe me four million pounds That's the what's big... the pot what is the pot at now over six million wow we can really um, start having some fun now can't we we can really start putting some big money on well, that's the bit that is the big we've just had the biggest win in the history of million pound picks wow um so uh some Did you get seven? Was it seven to one just for him to score any time? Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm not very, I'm not very good at this bookmaking business. Stu, <laughs> what would you have given him? Ladapo to score? Uh, I've got no idea. What would he get in the real world? I'm not really a gambler to be honest. Four to one, maybe mm, that even four to one would have been generous. You maybe for like you may have been looking around the two or three to one mark potentially. Okay. I was foolhardy and I've paid for it. Not yet, you haven't. Well, no, not literally. I haven't paid for it. I'm going to have to really do some digging and shift some stuff around and perhaps sell parts of my body to get that money to you, Hutchie. So uh, just you don't need You don't I'm need two kidneys. Don't send the boys around. I know what you're like. Um, but yeah, so we can have some fun anyway going forward with Million Pound Picks. And I think Heath Bookmakers might have to start really cracking down on the odds. I think you've, uh, you've had your fun. Now uh, now it's time to, to really crack down on you. Friends, anyway, aside from me being four million in the black or in the red to Hutchie. Um, let's talk about the game, shall we? It was the perfect way to bounce back from a loss in the fog at Oxford. They they tonked Morecambe 4-0. Worth remembering that Morecambe coming in had won three games in a row, even though they did not played for a couple of weeks. So they were a side in form. Which one of you wants to start waxing lyrical? Because there's so much to talk about around this game. Shall we start with you, Stu? Because we didn't hear from you on, uh, on Monday. How was it for you? Uh, obviously a very good night for Ipswich Town. Um, going into it before the game, the atmosphere, atmosphere felt a bit flat, felt a bit subdued. It still did, to be honest, at the end of the game when they'd won 4-0. Obviously the second half kind of 
understandably petered away, but there was a bit of pressure on Ipswich going into this game. Yes, there's still a long way to go in this season, but four league games without a win. Um, I think we all described this as must win and the pressure was on. Um, so to get that goal within, what, 50-odd seconds um, was just what the doctor ordered. It would be interesting to see how that atmosphere had man- manifested it itself uh, had that early goal not come, but thankfully it did and we didn't get to find that out. Just what the doctor ordered. Was that What's ever happened to the Watson wink, by the way? Because you delivered that with the Watson wink. That would have been spot on. I don't get the Watson wink, Kenny. Is it just yeah, something you do in person or...? It's not, we've not had one for a while, have we? I'll go and uh, practice some in the mirror, maybe bring it back. It, it's got to be spontaneous, though. You can't just mm. you can't force a wink. Um, Hutchie, so Town got the perfect start. And then, unlike in previous games that we've seen this season, they uh, they fully stood on the throat. Yep, yep. Stamped on it um, and, and got the job done by half-time, which was really, was really good to see because um, we haven't seen that an awful lot from Ipswich, um, but just pure pure dominance against a Morecambe side who who sat off them a bit and gave them space, but Ipswich did all they needed to, took full advantage of it and scored some scored some really good goals from that point on and um and got the job done. Okay, so obviously Freddie Ladapo, Connor Chaplin got the goals. Um there's lots to talk about around Wes Burns, Harry Clark. Um shall we start with the goals? Which was your favourite of the four? Ladapo's second. I'd agree with that. That was lovely. And how did Connor Chaplin get so completely alone in the box for the third. He does it virtually every game, doesn't he, Connor Chaplin? He's got this knack of being able to find himself in about five yards of room inside a penalty box. He even manages to do it at corners sometimes, doesn't he, Andy? We talk about sometimes they manage to float a corner onto him unmarked. So there must be an art, a knack to that. Um, Sometimes it's about knowing when to hold your run as much as as when to to go with it. And... um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll come on to goals three and four in, in a minute, but that sort of telepathic link up between Burns and Chaplin, good to see that that going again, sort of brought back some some memories of, of the sort of uh, the, the flying form of uh, Burns in particular from, from last season. Um, Macarena, Hutchie, from Burns. What your thoughts, please? Because um, you, you actually, it's worth going back, friends. Obviously, you've probably already watched the, the post-match reaction from the boys because obviously that's measured, calm, sensible analysis. But there's also a little dance from Hutchie who started doing the Macarena as he was talking about it. Uh, in your ratings, you said you weren't sure what you made of it. Uh, whereas in the video, I think you were, you were more leaning towards, I, I like that very much. Yeah, it's the passing of time, Mark. The, the ratings get written. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Then I thought about it and I became more sure. Then I started talking about it and I became sure. Then I slept on it and I became even more sure again. And now we're talking about it now and I love it. And I just want to have the opportunity to ask Wes Burns how that's happened because something has We need to know. Out. There must be a reason for it, mustn't he's, he's not just done that for a laugh. Yeah. At some point in the last few days, the Macarena has been discussed or performed at Ipswich Town's training ground. And I need to know why that is. Did it get as far as the uh, hands-on hip sort of wiggle and 90 degrees jump. I don't think do we got jump. to that. No. Didn't no do jump. jump. I he, saw the wiggle. He, everything required from the hands. And then I th- he did it for the first one. And then I was watching him for the second one. He just went and stood all on his own. By the, all the players were celebrating over there. He was just on his own. Doing, and Connor Chaplin turned round. And he's, Connor, I just saw Connor Chaplin. His head just went... Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> You've done it again, you tit. <laughs> and he and he'd um he'd done it again. Yeah, I like it. Do you reckon one of the new signings had to had to perform and they chose the Macarena and that's where it's come from? There must be that's some a bold reason choice. It. It, very bold, absolutely. What's the best post goal dance you've ever seen? I'm saying Baz Savage back in the day when he used to moonwalk. In football yeah. boots, which is extremely impressive. Mm. Maybe he didn't wear football boots. Can you think of any others? I'm digressing here, and I, I didn't warn you of this, so I'm, I'm digging into your archives. I like I like a Tamuri Ket Spire. I like it when someone just loses their mind. <laughs> that was just, an yeah. That was an assault. <laughs> no, well, if we're just talking celebrations in general, yeah. that's that's what I like, an angry celebration, shoving your teammates away, booting the advertising board in. Very, David very. Johnson used to used to do some break dancing in his early days as an Ipswich player. Did the splits a few times. <clears> he um he used to be good at that. I like I, I enjoyed it. Got to be careful doing the splits as a footballer. A fine I think he, elite athlete. Yeah, I think he was told to stop, and yeah, he did. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Right then, you don't someone see who... the gymnastics ones too much anymore, do you? The Lawa triple yeah. back flips and things like that. They're probably not allowed to for insurance reasons. They were tremendous. But just wasn't there someone the who managed to injure themselves doing that? Like break an arm or something have i made that up years ago no you haven't i can't think it it was someone it wasn't even that long ago um yeah someone did i'm digressing uh in terms of things to celebrate there are lots to celebrate about this game let's shall we start somewhat predictably because i bloody love him shall we start with a big fred appreciation moment um two goals for him last night 13 now for the season four in his last seven games we said hutchie on monday that we'd both start him I dreamt about him scoring. You made money on him scoring. Before yes, we it, before we get into this, you dreamt about the goal. What yeah. did the goal look like? Did it look like either of the looked, goals that happened? It looked a bit like the second one. Um, okay. Obviously, I, I don't tend to dream. When I dream about goals, I don't tend to dream about little tap-ins inside the, the six-yard area. So it didn't look much like the first one. I'd say it was more like the second one, which I thought was a tremendous finish uh, and a great ball from Broadhead. But um, you talked to Kieran after the game, Stu, and he said he... Ladapo, Freddie has, has basically changed as a player in six months. Um, yeah. He's come to a club, he's had to learn a new system, a new way of playing. He's obviously had pressure to come here and be the, the man who gets the goals. Um, mm. And he's doing it. He is at the moment, yeah. I don't think he's ever really hit top form and completely captured the imagination in his first six months at Ipswich, but his goal tally has kept ticking along. And there's been signs that he's he's kind of been learning the role as he's gone along. Um and I think he's taken his game to a new level at the start of this year. I thought he was he was really good in the first half against Plymouth in particular. Um, thought he had a good game against Rotherham in the cup and he took it to to another level last night. It wasn't just just his goals, um, but it was his general all-round play. He just looked like a strong centre-forward who was backing into the centre-halves. They were using him as a real pivot point up front into his feet. Some nice little deft first-time layoffs. Um, yeah, he had he had the bit between his teeth last night, and um, yeah, whether whether I'm sure he's taken an extra few percent from George Hurst's arrival. He was honest enough to admit that it was nerve wracking. Players coming in this January window to compete for his his place, so it's probably a combination of that and just in general him starting to find his feet at a, a new football club. We forget that he, don't forget he played in the front two. For Rotherham, alongside Michael Smith, he's being asked to kind of lead the line in a, in a completely sort of different brand of football here at Ipswich. So, um, yeah, good to see Freddie uh, really enjoying himself last night. Actually, can we reflect as well on the strength of character that requires to, to see someone brought in essentially to challenge for your job? Um, 
which you can't help but feel that that's a reflection on you. Um, mm-hmm. And then to, to to do that in his first opportunity since Rudy Hurst has been at the club, fantastic. It says a lot about him, doesn't it? I think he, I think it's pretty clear he needs something like that to just to act as a act as some an extra motivation, and that's the ultimate one. The, the feeling that you might be they might they might be trying to replace you. That's the the ultimate one. But even the Rotherham game and the Plymouth game that Stu's mentioned there, both of those against former clubs, he turned up and delivered for Ipswich in those. Um, maybe that's just what he needs. So mm. maybe maybe the best part about the George Hurst signing might be the effect on on Freddie Ladapo. You never know. Um, mm. But yeah, he's um, you you can't you can't knock Freddie for the way he's the way he's responded to it and it's getting the best out of him. Yeah, someone else who's, who's really getting the best out of themselves at the moment is Connor Chaplin. Obviously, got the other two goals last night. Fifteen for the season now. I think nine in eleven. Purple patch scorer, as he called himself. Um, what can we say about Connor Chaplin? I've got a question for you boys, actually. Connor's on 15, Freddie's on 13. Are they both going to get to 20, do you reckon? The mythical 20-goal-a-season scorer. And if they do, who's going to get there first? Can we clip 20-goal-a-season striker, That 20-goal-a-season ha- player? That has to be league goals, doesn't it? Right? That's what I would. If argue. you're if you're saying it has to be league goals, that's what I would. Take... I don't know. Okay. That's that's what I that's what I think personally. A twenty goal a season striker is a league goal scorer. Okay, that, so Freddie's in, on nine in, in my book. In my book. Yeah. Okay. So you're what saying if he, what if someone scores a hat trick against Burnley on Saturday, who are leading the championship? Do those do those goals not count towards a? I think strikers count every goal they score. As I'm far sure as they do. Concerned. I'm sure Hutchie they. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. And it, look. It's not bad to score goals, but if you're talking about signing the 20 goal a season player, that's league goals. That's what mm. you're talking about because that's the main. That's the main for me anyway. That's that's what I think. Okay, so you'd you'd say Connor then definitely of those two. Yeah, I think I, I, think the, I would. Yeah, Freddie's on Cha- nine. Chaplin, yeah. Chaplin's going to play more games than Ladapo yeah. between now and the end of the season. I would imagine because I think you know as good as Freddie played last night, I think we'll see that rotation. Hurst has been brought in for a reason. Um, I think we'll see those two sort of switch about more than Chaplin sort of dropping out of this team. Yes, there's some increased competition for those sort of number 10 roles, but Chaplin's going to play more games and and therefore have more chances to get there. And he's further ahead in the goal tally. So I'd say Mm. he's got a a better chance. Mm. Okay. Um, Do you want to reflect on on Chaplin's performance last night, Hutchie, and that of Burns? I know in the ratings, by the way, controversially, there were three nines dished out. Chaplin, these are the ratings I saw anyway. You might have changed them since. Chaplin, Burns, who only played a half, and the Dapo all got nines. Harry Clark, who I saw a lot of people saying ten, got an eight. No, you um, get the you get the first because you need ratings very very quickly. I do. Um, I knew, yeah, you, you you get the you get them because they they're needed a lot quicker. So uh, Harry Clark ended up on a nine. Ah, okay. Fair um, enough. What was the original question? Chaplin and, and Burns, wax lyrical about them. Good, aren't they? They are good, yeah. Um, Chaplin did Chaplin things um, and delivered and delivered two goals with it. I think he, you get a, you get a, there's a minimum bar with Connor Chaplin that will always, always give you ap- absolute effort. Um, and he gave that with some with some real quality for the for the two goals. But I thought, yeah, he only played a half, but I've really enjoyed that Wes Burns performance in particular. Um that was 
that was a proper Wes Burns game. Confident, um, had Harry Clark thrusting um, from from right back to to help him out, and they worked they worked really well together. And that brought the best out of Burns, who um, got to the byline a few times. His his ball into the box was pinpoint. It's not always pinpoint. It was this time, and it made and it made two goals. He um, he was purring. Purring. Just running at running at people again, wasn't he? Which maybe we haven't seen as much this season. And we've talked a lot about. Look, he hasn't had a bad season by any stretch, but he's just not hit those same heights consistently as as the previous season. We've talked a lot about the reasons for that. Is it because teams have wised up to to the way he and Ipswich Town set up? Possibly a bit of that. Has his own? Has he just dipped a little bit as well? Yes, I think so. He was honest enough to admit that he thought he was off it against Plymouth. Um, it's been a combination of him. A, I don't think he hasn't been ta- running at people and just the basics of we haven't seen Wes Burns doing the knock it one side and turn on the afterburners and just get at people as much as he was. He was back to doing that again last night. Um, Aided, as, as Andy says, I think there's a big part of that is is Harry Clark was that sort of dynamic overlapping right back and Janoy Danassian has been that in the past, but has maybe just his batteries have just run out a little bit in, in recent weeks and has not been able to play that support role as, as much. So it all came together for Wes Burns to to uh, to get back at it last night. And um, not only was there the power, there was the precision as well. And that, that's been a little bit awry from from Burns. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's lashed at a few crosses that have gone over the bar or not beat the first man. He was back to just coolly picking people out last night. So really good to see. And he came off at half-time. That's just a precaution, is it? There was no pinging of a hamstring doing the match. No, or anything like that. Tight, <laughs> tight calf, said McKenna. And, the, you know, the game was won. So there's no point no point taking any uh, any chances there, but nothing too serious. Fair enough. Right then, let's talk about the man who a lot of people called man of the match. Uh, down that right-hand side, making a dream Portman Road debut um, from this parish. Suffolk's own Harry Clark, Hutchie. Um, you both confessed or professed you were in love with him. After the game, um, do you want to expand? Uh, on I don't. Th- I don't think I'm in love with him. I think. I think. I, I think Mr. Watson is is the man that's in love. Okay. I didn't. I didn't go that far. I liked you're him just, an awful lot. You're just in uh, lust. I fancy him. <laughs> um, um, Freddie Ladapo was my man of the match. Yeah. First and first and foremost, I thought Freddie was brilliant. But um, yeah, as as good an introduction as you could really want from a right back, I would say. Um, it's becoming a more and more important position in, in football, the fullbacks, and um, he's got a little bit of ev- got a bit of everything in there, isn't he? Roy Keane told Micah Richards that right backs don't burst on the scene. Well, Harry Clark certainly did mm-hmm. last night, didn't he? Um, yeah, love that. Loved everything about that from Harry Clark last night. That's a, that was a little bit of me that performance. Tell me, um, for those who've not, obviously there's 21,000 there and, and people were able to watch it on iFollow, but a lot of people may not have seen the whole match or indeed extended highlights. What is it you like so much about Harry Clark in, in these early um, viewings, Stewie? Uh, physicality, pure athleticism, uh, desire, passion. I just thought he just gave it, switch. Andy used the word thrust earlier. I thought he just gave them a bit of thrust and dynamism, some qualities that maybe have just tailed off a little bit. We know how technically good Ipswich Town are, but we, we started to wonder whether that was maybe a little bit 
predictable at times. At teams had started to work them out, and you need some different qualities and different ways to to unlock the door. And and uh, in League One, don't underestimate the need for that sort of pure physicality and athleticism. And and he brought that. Um, just uh, yeah, with some marauding runs in support of of Wes Burns. Um, one big block and then charged out to make a thunderous sort of 50-50 tackle on, on halfway line at one stage that, that got people going. You could just tell that he was a man uh, fired up to play, uh, finally make his debut for his for his hometown club after the, the long road back to Portman Road. Mm. And Hutchie, you spoke to him after the game, didn't you? Can you give a little insight into what Harry's like for those of, uh, those of us who haven't met him yet? He's a very nice young man. Um it just seems like a, a really grounded, really nice, really nice lad. Really, um, has he got a Suffolk accent? Yeah, nice, Excellent. nice, li- a little, little one, a little one in there, the best kind. We need nice to get Ross and him together then. In that case, a nice little soft one. Ha- Harry's is softer than Ross's. Um, okay, but yeah, he he clearly found last night a very special, very special evening indeed. Um, with family and friends in, in the in the crowd. Um, being part of a big win at Portman Road. Yes, he's gone off to Arsenal. That was a move for bigger and better things. But he grew up dreaming of what he did last night. And it I would imagine it's kind of taken him back to his childhood a little bit because he, he'd have been dreaming of playing at the Emirates. That's where that's mm. where he'd really been dreaming of, let's be honest, in the last few years, his dream was to play in the Premier League for Arsenal at the Emirates. Um, but now he's back at Ipswich clearly absolutely delighted about it and that would have taken him back to his childhood of, of what he dreamed of doing growing up and um and he's done it now and he, he's going to do it an awful lot more more times as well so um a really good start um and he's going to be a an instant fan favorite isn't he mm, good looking bastard as well isn't he shades of the geezer off prison break you ever watched prison break boys i know who you mean i've never watched it he's got a little glint in his eye he's got a nice mm. he's got a little twinkle in his eye i like that First season prison break, one of the best things I've ever watched. The rest of it, utter shite. That's my brief review. Let's move on then. What does this mean then, boys? We've talked about Janoy Dinastian a lot. His incredible story has been featured on this show a lot. Obviously, we actually you turned he coined the phrase Denaissance for his his numerous resurgences. Is Janoy now going to be relegated though to the role of backup, which we've, we've kind of often speculated how that might happen? Do you reckon that's what he's going to have to resign himself to now, Stewie? Um, possibly. It's a very, what I would say is Harry Clark's, everything we've said about Harry Clark last night is has the sort of asterisks, the caveat that Ipswich raced into a two-goal lead and, and the shackles were off and he could go and enjoy himself and do that. Kieran McKenna, as he often does, straight away sort of tempered the praise for for him and Broadhead in that there's there's a there's things that they need to improve on that I saw tonight as well and um we'll work on that. Um he won't always be able to have the shackles off and be marauding forwards and and do all of that side of things. There'll be some some stiffer defensive tests as well, I'm sure. So it's a it's a high octane position that he's playing. I'm not sure you'll be able to recreate that every few days. And there will be times probably when Janoy Denassian is required, you know, whether it be a right back. Um, he's going to be on the bench, I would imagine, most games because of his versatility. Um, so, 
yeah, as we've said, you never write Janoi Danassian off. He's he's had so many comebacks and um might have to be a little bit patient for, for the for the foreseeable future, but I'm sure he's uh he's got a role to play both in this run in and beyond this season, I would imagine. Come back as a striker now, Janassian. Um Hutchie, there was another full debut last night. Mr. Broadhead, Broady to his mates. Um and you were very enthusiastic about him on your post match reaction. You said he was a striker that most made your balls tingle. I'm not sure that was exactly the words um, you used. That's my own spin on things. Um, and is he making him tingle so far? Yes. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're tingling away. Like when you, you have you ever used that mint um, original yes. source shower Ooh. gel? Yeah, it's like dangerous. It's like, it's like that. That's that's what Nathan Broadhead is. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving. Um, I'm absolutely loving uh, Nathan Broadhead and how people are struggling with his name at the moment um there's a lot can of we board... just call him minty now is can that be his nickname <laughs> can we clip this up and just send it to him as a review how perplexed would he be <laughs> that? oh yeah these guys these are yeah these guys are the professional journalists yeah. from the Stanley daily times newspaper but yeah original source mint shower gel that's um that's nathan Broadbent. on your balls whatever yeah. everyone's calling him nathan Broadbent. what are the other ones nathan Broadbean, um broad <laughs> Broadhurst, I've seen oh, as well. Scrap all of those, forget about them. It's minty. minty. Absolutely. Minty. The Mintmeister General. Um, the Minty was mint, wasn't he? He was mint, yeah. I I, I like him. I, I don't think he's hit full stride by any by any stretch. Um but he I, I just I, from what I'd seen of him previously, I like the way that he just attacks the penalty area and that he's done that for the clubs we've seen him play against Ipswich for. Um and he did that again in this game. He, he wants to shoot. He is very keen to have a shot. Um, but he can also produce a pass like the one that, that put Ladapo away. So I think from, from that left-hand side forward position, I think he um, he's going to add something. Both both of the two new boys we've just spoken about there have, have added something. Yeah, both, both of them, you can see the attributes that McKenna's tried to add to this squad, ones that he feels they've been lacking, maybe a team that I said have been high on the technical side of things, but just needed something a bit more dynamic to to turn these fine margin games and, you know, maybe a little bit more sort of chaotic almost in a good way. Players that just want to run at people and make things happen, um, not necessarily score the perfect goal every time. And then uh, Broadhead was the same, really, just got the ball and wanted to make things happen, ran at people, very different type of player to, to Marcus Harness, who's a bit more sort of off the cuff at times. Mm. I thought Broadhead just looked a, a little bit sort of just sharper. He looked like a player that they've, they've paid a million and a half to get from a Premier League club who's um, been been doing pretty well for a championship club. And I just thought that quality sort of shone through. It's the little things. It's his movement. It was his ball striking. He's so crisp the way he strikes the ball. I think he forced three saves in the end out of the goalkeeper. Um if you watch Freddie Ladapo's interview on the on the club website, he's he's talking about Broadhead in there, and he's a uh, big smile on his face about how much he's loved loved shooting and know, knows that a goal's going to be coming for him soon. So he's clearly made an impression on on the rest of the squad, as has Clark. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, these two are going to really help Ipswich sort of turn some of these results, fine margin results, the other way over the over the running. Exciting, isn't it? Something else I want to reflect on. It was Town's first clean sheet in six games last night. And they did it with a complete overhaul of defence, actually. When we were speaking on Monday, um, we're talking about the ridiculous depth of the bench. 
and George Emerson not even making the bench for Oxford. And you, I'll give you a due here, as well as making four million off me by predicting that Freddie Ladapo would score. You also said, I think you're going to go from players like Edmondson not being in the squad at all to going straight into the starting lineup because you've got the likes of Clark and Donassian who can be on the bench as utility defenders. And you absolutely nailed it, mate, because Edmondson and Keogh came in, uh, Wolf and Dunno Burgess went out, and they, <laughs> they did the job. Yeah, I didn't necessarily think it would be in the the both of them in those positions, but I think we are going to get have to get used to that. Like Shawnee Aluko was was watching the game um, from the the press box last night. Could he start? He could come straight. Oh, look, I know that the Burnley game's a little bit different, but he could come. I wouldn't be shocked if he came straight into starting 11s from not making the eighteen. I think um, I think that is something we're going to have to get used to, particularly in the particularly in the positions that are kind of quite specialist that you might not necessarily feel like you want to carry on the bench, um, like centre-back, I guess, when you've got someone like Danassian who can play any position at the back. Mm. Um, it's quite difficult with all the attacking options they want to get on the bench to then think about putting a centre-back on there as well. It's just not going to happen. So um, I think Danassian's going to be the only defender on the bench going yeah. forwards because he can play anywhere across that back line. Obviously, you could move Clark inside to, to centre-half and put Danassian at right-back as well. So, yeah, Wolf and Dunan Burgess were both fit last night. They went from the starting 11 straight out the 18. McKenna just said, I want as many attacking options on my bench as possible. Mm. We changed the entire front four. Um Last night, and he said, I've, I've spoken to the defenders and told them that's the way it's going to be. So it's almost like you're either going to start or not, not be in the squad at all when it comes to those those centre-half positions. So um, I thought Edmonton was good. He got himself... It's difficult to judge the defenders last night because they weren't tested that much by Morecambe, but Edmonton got his head on so many attacking set pieces. It was him who caused that bit of carnage for the Ladapo early goal. You can never really quantify what Keogh brings to the team in terms of his leadership and his talking and his experience. So, you know, McKenna said that he picked him as to help sort of Harry Clark come through his debut as much as anything. So um, that's going to be fascinating to see if we see a bit of centre-half rotation, whether whether he lands on a pair going forward, who he plays against Burnley, what that means for the Cambridge game. Um, but yeah, they needed that clean sheet, didn't they, last night? Mm. It's interesting to see how they how these defenders get packaged up because Wolfenden and Burgess have become a pair, which means by default Keogh and Edmondson have become a pair. Mm. But I don't think they're necessarily restricted to playing as those two pairs. So for me, I think ultimately the best upside for Ipswich is a pairing of Wolfenden and Edmondson. And I wonder when or if or if we'll see that. Um but yeah, it's going to be interesting. The the, Bur- the Burnley games may be a bit of a, a red herring potentially in all of this in in the mix, but but the Cambridge game once we reach that, um, that'll be really interesting to see to see what uh, what package of of defence defenders playing, they go for. Playing Keo up against Cole Stockton, which is going to just be a, a physical battle, is one thing. There might be other times where you look at someone who's got a real pacey out and out front man, and and you you worry about. Richard Keogh's legs a little bit. He gave away that penalty, didn't he, in the, in the Rotherham game where someone someone got yeah. away from him. So I'm sure it will be horses for courses, and and they'll they'll carefully decide what what type of strikers Ipswich are going to be up against. But yeah, you're right. Ultimately, you want to get to the Wolf and Dun Edmondson 
pairing because they're they're the ones in the long term with the highest ceiling, aren't they? Mm. Okay, you've foreseen my question there, Hutchie. Just like you you saw the future before the game by me asking. I was going to ask you both who you thought the best pairing was. But you've done that. So Edmonton and Wolfenden potentially going forward as the strongest pair. I think so. Anything else to mention from the game? I will just mention, Hutch, as well, going back to your ratings. I particularly enjoyed, I think it's the most succinct, shortest rating I've ever seen you give anyone. Christian Walton, a spectator, six. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have anything to do. He didn't have a shot on target. We've seen games where Christian hasn't had an awful lot to do, but it has involved at least catching some difficult high balls. Didn't even feel like he had that to do. Did to keep, yeah. I used to. I remember vividly back in the day, we used to go and watch um, Derby County play, and Peter Shorten was my big, my first big footballing hero because I wanted to be a goalkeeper. So I used to watch everything that he did. And when the ball was up the other end of the pitch, he'd he'd do little shuttle runs back and forth, like in his own area, to, uh, like between his own posts and up up and down and all that kind of stuff. What does Walton do when when he's really got nothing to do? Does he sit next well, to a post? He <laughs> read a book. Yeah. Um, well, he, he sees more of the ball at his feet than I reckon Peter Shilton ever did. They weren't probably <laughs> par- passing the ball back to goalkeepers then, but he's not... Well, he could just pick it up back then, of course. Yeah, so it wasn't a yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, just <clears throat> pick that up. Um, he, he's, not a, he's not a penalty box sprinter, I don't think. He don't, he loves a proper kind of... When they score, though, I do make sure I have a little glance. I like watching keepers celebrate goals. He has a proper... Little he was doing. He was doing sort of few little sort of side steps and shuttle sort of runs just to keep himself sort of warm. I think more than more than anything. Um, must be difficult for a goalkeeper in those situations just to keep keep your focus. His kick, kicking was much improved actually last night. He was clipping some nice little just just little clipped passes over the top of the first man to find fullbacks and and things like that. So yeah, uh, after after all the talk about his kicking in the Plymouth game, I thought that was that was much improved last night. But but mm. Morecambe didn't push him. Like no. what Plymouth what Plymouth did is they they had a, a pass rush mark um on on the goalkeeper and properly closed him down. Um Morecambe just didn't do it. And what Christian Morton's a good kicker of the ball. I think that Plymouth game, I think he got some unfair heat in that Plymouth game because they were properly they were blitzing. And um not always easy to get out of. You enjoying those references, Stewie? Pass rush, blitzing? No, no. Of not. <laughs> um, Peter Shorten, I would say, was my hero. Um, he's he's gone down considerably in my estimation. <laughs> um, Why is that? <laughs> Moving on, um, friends. So let's draw a line of that game. This is anything else to mention because I want to talk about the, the wider the wider issue. Now, obviously, we just had half an hour there of of uh, patting each other on the back and saying everything is fantastic. And clearly, after a four 0 win, you're going to say that. And on Monday, my finger was hovering over the, the panic button. And I don't want us to lur- lurch kind of wildly from one extreme to the other. Because let's be honest, what Town did last night, yes, it was nice. But that is exactly what they, they had to do. They should have done. They're beating a the side who are in the bottom four. Yes, they're in good form. And, and really, nothing has changed in terms of um, their position. Uh, yes, Sheffield Wednesday didn't play last night. So they, they are closer. Um, but obviously, Wednesday now have a game in hand. And also, Derby County, the... <laughs> Absolutely red-hot Rams. Now 19 games unbeaten, scored twice in the final three minutes, was it? To come from behind and, and win 2-1 at Port Vale. So they're still as close as they were with a game in hand. So um, it's, it, it is obviously what we hoped they would do. But the wider picture still is is kind of the same, isn't it, Stewie? I think so, yeah. In the same way that, as you, you say, those, those games 
over Christmas and Oxford weren't a complete disaster and you had to stay fairly level. Everything isn't completely fixed after a win against Morecambe. Um, we'll never know how that game would have panned out had they not scored in the first minute. They did. I, I take absolutely nothing away from the performance. I'm not going to mm. just go, well, it's just Morecambe. Of course, we should be beating them. They've, Morecambe have taken points off of, of a lot of top half sides if you look through their results. You mentioned they came into it with, with three straight wins, albeit against some of the lesser sides in, in the division. They gave Ipswich a really tough game up at their place earlier in the season. Ipswich have dropped points at home against Lincoln, Cheltenham, Fleetwood. They took the lead in both those games against the, the, the latter two games that I mentioned there and still didn't get them over the line. So um, take absolutely nothing away from that performance and that result from, from Ipswich Town last night. But... As Kieran McKenna says, it's just the first small step towards getting yeah. some momentum going now. They haven't won back-to-back -back games in the league since October. We've talked a hell of a lot about Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth and Derby's incredible run of form at the moment. Ipswich now need to, to find the, a groove and, and really get Portman Road rocking again. As I say, it felt a little bit subdued last night. Needs a, needs a nice run of results now just to, just to get everybody going again, I think. Hmm. Actually, any thoughts on that? I know on Monday you were very much saying no good from kind of panic, but they have a, a problem they found themselves facing. Um, that last night, a nice step in the right direction, but doesn't mean everything's suddenly rosy. No, no, it's about it's about runs of wins now, isn't it? Mm. And you know what? Um, doing something like Derby did last night would be a nice little touch at some point. I hope they don't have to. I hope I hope they don't find themselves one nil down in the closing stages at Cambridge when that game comes around, but digging deep and um, that, that's just as important as, as these comfortable home wins as well. They need to win these home games and they need to win them comfortably. So it's a big tick there. Um, mm. Put some some runs of wins together. But um, yeah, can't take anything away from last night because they did everything that they needed to do. Yeah, it was exactly what we wanted. Fantastic. Right then, let's draw a line under that game. Just a couple of items of news before we move on to Burnley, which is obviously the next game at the weekend. Um, a couple of stories this morning. Um, you put up this morning, Stewie. A, uh, a star player, formerly of this parish, who uh, who headed off to Turkey uh, in the summer, uh, is constantly being linked with a return to town. Now it looks like he might be heading to Stoke. Yeah, Andy did that story in the end. Oh, um, that's all right. Um, <laughs> go on, Andy. You put this, you probably a bit more up to speed on this one. Uh, he's going. Yeah, he's going to Stoke. Um, it's Bert Sansolina, by the way. That's what I'm talking about. I've named him. Uh, yeah, it is Bert Sansolina. And, he's, yeah. and he's, he's going to Stoke. They wanted him in the summer. Couldn't do it because of the work permit. He's just about going to qualify for one for what he's done in the first half of the season in Turkey. That loan's going to be, be broken. And he's um, he's going to be in the championship for the second half of the season, which will be uh, interesting to see how he gets on. Hmm. Okay. And the other thing I've just noticed just on Twitter as we, uh, we came into this virtual chat room is Charlie Savage formerly linked um, to town. I think it was you that did that story, was it? You're going to tell me it was Andy now, I'm fairly sure it was you. That was, that was that me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he looks like he might be into Forest Green Rovers, bottom of the table. Okay. Yeah, he did a bit of work experience, didn't he? Or they call mm. it, from Manchester United, along with, I can't remember the name of the defender. Fish. Will Fish. Will Fish. Um, yeah, they came Manchester United send some of their their young ones out to do sort of a couple of weeks work placements at, at lower league clubs just to get out out of the old Trafford bubble. Uh, Kieran McKenna was full of praise for for those two last season, um, but 
yeah, Ipswich don't need a midfielder, do they? Having gone and got Luongo and, and Humphreys having kind of had his breakthrough season. So, um, yeah, he looks like he's going to Forest Green. Interesting to see how he gets on um, in, the, in the mire of a relegation battle being pitched in. Um, time will tell. Right then, friends, Burnley this weekend. If all things were being equal and it was ideal, Hutchie, would you want to be playing Burnley in the FA Cup this weekend, having just had an excellent win in the league? You would. Yes, actually, yeah. Okay. I love I love this game. I think this I think this is a really really interesting game. Um, Burnley are really really good. They're going to be in the Premier League next season. They're running them and Sheffield United look like they're going to run away with with automatic promotion potentially in the Championship. Um, and I really like this game. I think it can raise the standards of Ipswich. It can motivate Ipswich. Um, yeah, I like it, and I think it's um, I think it's come at a nice a nice time. I'm sure Town will give a really good account of themselves. I think the crowd's going to be decent. Um, there's no pressure on the results. Um, so for all of those reasons, I I really like it. Really like it as a game. Before we get to your thoughts on it, Stu, just let me reel off some stats because I, I knew Burnley were going well, but just just looking before we started recording, <laughs> they are bloody flying. Top of the Championship, 18 point gap to third. They've not lost in the league since November the 5th, which is when they lost to Sheffield United. They've won eight in a row in the league and they're spreading goals right around the side. They've got four players on nine goals, um, which shows that they have multiple options. Um, what do you make of this game, Stuart? And how would you approach it from a town point of view? Because obviously the FA Cup is something we're not used to town doing well in. They are doing well in this, this season. It's, I think you'd have to call it a run now, a cup run. They've gone through three rounds. There's a chance... Yes, it would be an upset, but a chance to win against the championship, a really good championship outfit and get into the, the fifth round for the first time since 1934 or whatever it is. Um, what do you make of it? How do you think Town should approach it? Yeah, really looking forward to it. I think Burnley are what Ipswich will want to be in the in the championship next season. Mm. They give hope that we keep talking about this style of play under McKenna has a higher ceiling for success. There'll be some bumps in the road along, along the way. Um trying to sort of play out from the back and have this possession brand of football. But if once, if and when they do get up, it, it can carry them a lot further. And, and Burnley are, are the poster boys for that at the moment. Vincent Company, uh, assisted by Craig Bellamy, formerly of Norwich, uh, have done a remarkable job in completely shifting the, the playing style of, of that football club, um, unrecognisable from, from what they were before uh, under Sean Dyche. Um so, yeah, a real chance for, as we talked about, the Rotherham game being a test of where Ipswich are at against sort of championship level. This is a truer mm. test of, of where Ipswich are at and how prepared they are for, for a step up. Be interested to see what sort of team Burnley put out with the way they're going in the league. Can they think, yeah, we'll give it a go in the, in the cup as well? Or, or will they not worry too much about that and just try and give a bit of game time to others? And, it, and if it is the latter, can Ipswich... Um, can Ipswich capitalise? And and I'm I'm a big believer that that a continued cup run will will add to the feel good factor and momentum surrounding Ipswich rather than being a sort of a distraction um, in in any way. So I hope I hope they go for a pretty strong team. Harry Clark's obviously cup cup tied, but it'd be good to see if if Broadhead can can build on last night and uh, maybe get George Hurst uh, up and running a little bit more as well. So yeah, in general, just just a a game I'm looking forward to, really. I think Burnley went pretty strong, didn't they? Last time they out. did. They beat, they beat Bournemouth, didn't they? Uh, away. 
um, fairly impressively. So you'd imagine they'll they will go strong again. What um, actually is this a free hit for Town? And what would you do with the Town side? You'd imagine we'd see the likes of Hurst probably start. Is there any other kind of tinkering you do? Because you you do kind of want to go pretty strong in this game, don't you? Yeah, I would I would go I would go pretty strong. I think it is a uh, as long as there's a level of performance there in terms of the result. I think it is a free hit. Um, mm. But I would. There are some kind of interchangeable parts of the Ipswich Town team, and I would maybe those would be the parts that I'd change. I think clearly Genoa is going to come back into the side. There, the defence will be interesting to see what they do. Um, Hurst is another kind of pivot player who is going to be in and out. So I think it'll be then there's going to be nothing wild from Ipswich. It'll be a very recognisable first team. Um, and you know what really interests me about this? You know who's going to be in goal? I would imagine for Burnley. Bailey Peacock Farrell. What happened to him last time that he was at Portman Road? Well, McCauley Bond's left, hasn't he? So there's, there's there's no danger of that happening again, surely. Well, other people are allowed to do it. And, well, I know. And, what's, and, what's, and, a, what's the story that would be? <laughs> and I, I, I'm just going to enjoy watching him. How twitchy is he going to be with the North stand on his back? Um, Has he been fitted for wing mirrors since that happened? <laughs> it would help. <laughs> it would help. Just a constant. Um, yeah. he, he's Burnley's backup goalkeeper, and he played in the last round. So, do you know who? Do you know who else probably will be in the Burnley team as well? Super man, Scotty Twine. Uh, yeah, a man who Ipswich fans had convinced themselves might be gettable mm. uh, a few weeks ago. That that's gone now. Uh, Scott Twine, who stepped off the bench and scored an absolute peach of a free kick to uh, to beat West Brom um, fairly recently. Um, you'll remember him scoring. A ridiculous long-range goal. Was it one or two in that in that win for Swindon at the wow. uh, outrageous yeah, goal? Outrageous goal. Um, looks like someone who can score from absolutely anywhere on the pitch. So he's another one to look out for amongst mm. many. Mm. Um, I'm not going to press you for a starting lineup or anything because these, these things are almost impossible to predict. But how about a prediction? You, I mean, it would be an upset, wouldn't it, if if Town win this game as long as Burnley. Out, you know, a decent full strength side. Um, is it one of these ones where you just want town to give a good account of themselves and to go toe to toe with a side that are going to be in the Premier League next season? And you know, if they get a if they get a draw, you know, a, a win even better. But as long as they come out of it with credits, is it one of those? For me, yeah, I think yeah. I think the wording you've used there is right. I, I want them to go toe to toe. That's that's what I want them to do. I want them to show no fear no cowering and which I don't think they will because they're not that that, that's not how they're set up I want them to try and play this game as if it was a league one game that's that's Mm. what I want them to do and 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 go try and try and go toe-to-toe for with a team that will be in the Premier League next year if they go toe-to-toe the logic is that Burnley will win that because Burnley like because Burnley have got they've got higher caliber players they're a really really good team but I don't think it's impossible that Ipswich do something in this. I really don't. Um, so any anything they can get, whether it's a, a replay that I know I know people will, will not be happy about a replay, but I'd be bang up for a replay. Would you? Burnley. I'll remind you yeah. of that. Really? Burnley on a Tuesday I, night. I don't I don't mind it. I love the games. More the Should more we... games they can pack into a season, the better for me. We just let, um, let Andy go, but, Stewie, if that's the case. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Personally, I don't really want to go up to to Turf Moor for a Tuesday night replay. I'm still scarred by that 4-0 defeat there under Paul Jewell many years ago with um, Bullard and Leadbitter and Keith Andrews and Cole having 
having a soak a sulk up and mm. Paul Jewell labeling them a, a spineless pub side afterwards. Um, but putting that aside and putting the trip up aside, Ipswich don't need this before the Sheffield Wednesday game. That's and that's when the replay would come. That wouldn't be ideal preparations at all before that that massive home game against Sheffield Wednesday. So uh, for that reason alone, really, I don't, I don't don't think the replay would be particularly useful. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I think, yeah, they're the underdogs, clearly, going into this game. But as Andy says, um, it's not impossible. I feel like it could be a really good game, though, because you've got, obviously, Burnley are flying. Town are, OK, recently stumbling, but they've got a lot of weapons and they're at home and they've just won 4-0. And it's a chance to really have a scrap with a, a real top-flight championship side. It could It could be tremendous, couldn't it? I'm really looking forward to it. I think yeah. Yeah, it's one, one of the games I've been looking forward as an occasion in itself. It's up there with the Plymouth game for me, how much I'm looking forward to it. I, I want to see Burnley in the flesh. And I think Ipswich can go toe-to-toe to the, with them. Hmm. How that comes out then is a who, who knows whether they're able to convert that into anything. But I think they can go toe-to-toe with them and that will produce a really good game. I'm looking forward to it. OK, um, that's that then. Uh, we should also mention... Um, from earlier in this week, I think I'm not actually sure when it was now. I've lost track of, of when we spoke to people, but I'm fairly sure, Stu, I saw you do a piece with Kieran McKenna saying he's not expecting any further business um, in this transfer window, which we should reflect on. That was um, me. That was you. Sorry for, oh, I don't know, you just blended You're one, one for one for three. You're basically, well, you're basically the same person. We're one giant organism, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I quite regularly get greeted at the gate at Portman Road with Hello Andy. I don't I don't put them right. It's fine. I've been called a lot worse. It's no problem. Um Yeah, no no other business essentially was the uh the Do you believe that? Response. When is it because it when is it? Next week, isn't it? The um the deadline. Wednesday. Wednesday. A week today. Um do you believe that there's gonna be no other business? They they certainly don't need to do at least from incoming wise, they don't need to do any other business, do they? It's Tuesday, next Tuesday. It is next week. I was right the first time. Um, What do you reckon, boys? Uh, Yes, I do believe it. I'm not saying it. I don't think they're desperate to do anything. As I said, the only way I think something would come up is if there was something really opportunistic that landed at their door where they thought, cool, this is a really good chance to to, Mm. to get this player that ahead of, of others and he might not be available again at another juncture. But as I've said before, I think uh, that's that squad's there now. Um, you can create, you're already leaving seven players out of a match day squad as it stands at the moment, seven fit players. That's before you bring Tyrese John Jules coming back to fitness in another month or so's time, hopefully. So you could do more harm than good, I think, ad- adding any further to this squad. Hmm. Generally speaking, um the summer window aside, anything they've done on a deadline day has, or towards the end of a window have been players that they've been tracking throughout. So if you look back to the day that they signed Walton and, and Morsi at the end of the, the first window, it, it, they were players they've been after for a significant period. Um, Town have done that this month. They've, they've got Hurst. They've wanted him for ages. Broad, they're not going to have... Broadhead is going to be someone they'd have, have tracked for some time. Same with Harry Clark. Um, so I think they've done that now. Um, but yeah, I, I will never say never because Ipswich have the means to do this. But I, I don't, I don't see. There's no, there's no gap to fill, is there? So the, it's not like with Ahabme and 
Kamara in the summer where they felt like there was a gap in the squad that needed needed filling. That there are no gaps. Did you hear that though, friends? Never say never. Follow it all with us on Tuesday. Keep clicking on the website because you never you never know. <laughs> yeah. Keep uh, spinning right. that narrative right up until eleven exactly. pm. Keep well, hammering when it, it. When it Keep hammering it. Um, right then, friends. Anything else to mention? Um, we've we've talked in quite excited tones there about town. We've put, put pumped the brakes a little bit, uh, and then we've talked about Burnley, which is very exciting. And the more I think about the game, the more excited I get. Um, anything else to mention? No other business. Uh, do you want to play a game of I've got the fixtures here in front of me? I reckon even we talked about Ipswich having the high bar of getting to something like ninety five points or whatever. I reckon they need about. 13 more wins from the last 18 games and you start you start to go through that those fixtures i think you can find 13 quite you can always quite find comfortably in there hard, yes. i think you can find 13 quite comfortably in there you go you look for it and you think well they've got you know cambridge forest green mk dons where they'll have another big away following burton accrington straight away we're at, we're up to 5 there, Shrewsbury, Cheltenham. Is this a one-person game? Yeah, I've just... Uh, I've <laughs> it's just lots of really hard. It's a great game. <laughs> just go, go away and do it privately, because I don't know if this, this will work on well, you. Tell you me, I'll, you I'll tell read us, them out and you... Tell us and the you, games that town are going to win. You, you give me it. if it's a definite yes, okay? Okay, yeah. Right, Cam- Cambridge away. Big win. Yes. Sheffield Wednesday at home. No. Ooh. Stick a little question mark next mm. to that one. Bristol Rovers away on a Tuesday night. No. Tough question one. mark. Forest Green at home. Yeah, big win. MK Dons away. Win. Burton at home. Win. Accrington at home. Yeah. Yeah. Accrington. Yeah. Accrington, Accrington at home is no trouble. Go on. Yeah, no worries. And then now Bolton away. No. Can't put that down as a win. Shrewsbury at home. Win. Yes. Barnsley away. I'm not saying that's a win. Derby away. You can't say that's a win. Wickham at home. Win. Yep. Cheltenham away. Win. Yep. Charlton at home. Yep. Win. Port Vale at home. Win. Peterborough away. I can't. Potential. Sitting here on January the 25th, I can't tell you that they're going to win at Peterborough in April. Ex- Exeter at home. Yeah. Should win that. Should win that. Fleetwood away. Yeah. Should win that. So what's that then, Stu? How many wins You've that? given me, you've given me hard yeses to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 there. And I said they need to get to 13. You've just given me 12 wins. And you need to turn a, one, one of those question marks into a win. Few draws from the others. Game on. Game on. I like it. Right then, friends, that's the show for this Wednesday. Uh, things are certainly looking a lot brighter than when we spoke on Monday. Ipswich Town bounced back in style by absolutely hammering Morecambe 4 0 last night. They play Burnley in the FA Cup this weekend. So enjoy that if you're going. If not, follow it with the boys. Really looking forward to that game. And please, friends, subscribe. Uh, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from, and on YouTube as well, um, just so that means you get all the good stuff straight into your feeds. Support our sponsors. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery, and also support Ginger Pickle uh, for all your Google ads, Google ranking, SEO, search engine optimization, anything you want to do in that digital marketing sphere, 
Tony Southgate and Ginger Pickle are the people to help you do it. Um, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you if you can, because that helps us lift visibility in the charts. And also follow us across all social medias on Kings of Anglia on Twitter, YouTube. We're trying to build the YouTube channel, Facebook and Instagram. Um, it's only Wednesday, so it's quite an early pod for you. But we wanted to speak to you today, given what happened last night. Uh, have a great rest of the week, friends. And we'll be back on Monday to talk about Ipswich Town beating Burnley in the FA Cup and going into the fifth round. Have a great one. We'll see you then.